Many people are saying, what in the world is going on? Pastor Ray Bentley has an answer. God is waking us up. And I believe that the Lord just started saying to me, hey, this is a Gethsemane moment. And there are a lot of people that are in my church that are asleep. I'm wondering if the Lord is saying, I need my people to wake up. I'm still shaking the earth. I'm shaking everything that can be shaken so that only the things that cannot be shaken shall remain. Spread the news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Over and over in scripture, we're told that now is not the time for spiritual slumber. Given the Lord's plans for the last days, we need to be spiritually awake and ready. And today, Pastor Ray shows us just how important that is to the Lord and why. Today's message is our biblical wake-up call. Let's listen. I want you to, if you have a Bible, let's open it to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. We're just going to look at 10 verses. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. And what we're going to talk about today is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the title of the message is, What Jesus' Prayer Means for You. Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, this was uh, after he had had the Lord's Supper and the Passover meal with his disciples. And it was evening and it was dark and they went out and down the Kidron Valley. And Jesus made his way to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane, which was on the Mount of Olives, literally on probably the bottom part of the Mount of Olives. There were were all of, in fact, that's why... The Mount of Olives is called the Mount of Olives. They're filled with olive trees and gardens. And there were personal gardens of olive trees that were owned there. And it was a place that Jesus was familiar with. We believe that it was owned by a believer, one of the early disciples and followers of Jesus. And whenever Jesus would come from the north up near uh, Galilee, and, and that's where the majority of his ministry was, but when he would come down for the Feast of the Lord, as he had come down for Passover, he would, he would go to pray on the Mount of Olives and there in the garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. So I want to give a little couple of words of introduction to you. This is a prayer. When he went in, the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane is the prayer that I like to say changed the world. The events that happened in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and what Jesus prayed, how he prayed. Now, many of you are familiar with this story. But I realize there are some of you that are, you're going to be hearing this and reading this maybe for the first time, uh, and it may be entirely new to you, but this is a, a scene that happened in the Garden of Gethsemane and has been remembered through all the centuries, literally for the last 2,000 years. This is a go-to story, and it's a place where many believers have gone for comfort, Uh, these places where Jesus uh, was in agony and where he was suffering and where he cried out in his humanity. He's fully human, that's the virgin birth, but he is also fully divine. 
And that beautiful blending of humanity and deity, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, how he entered into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And, and what happened there that night, 2,000 years ago, reverberates to this day, some 2,000 years later. And the passion that Jesus demonstrated on that momentous night has been depicted in music. It's been written about in all kinds of books, let alone commentaries on the Bible and the Gospels. It's been displayed in films for centuries. In fact, in the 16th century, Johann Sebastian Bach wrote two beautiful oratorios that were based on the Gospels of Matthew and John. And even to the present day, I'm sure all of you will remember the film, The Passion of the Christ, and where it showed Jesus going into the Garden of Gethsemane, and there as he was praying as the Savior of the world, getting ready in preparation for going to the cross. Even our language has been affected by these events, giving us phrases like, he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. And this one, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And another, sweating great drops of blood. Can you imagine? The Bible actually says that Jesus was so upset and he was so grieved and he was so emotional and so passionate that literally, and, and this is something that medical science has talked about that can happen in extreme excruciating situations. His capillaries were bursting and he literally was sweating blood in the garden of Gethsemane. Well, let's get started into the story. And I want to begin with this, Gethsemane. So these are kind of the little application points as we go through the story. But Gethsemane is the place of coming to terms with the will of God. And Jesus is our example. So beginning in verse 36, let's read verses 36 through 38. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, which would be James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Wow. Now, to give you some idea of what we're looking at here and, and what immediately begins to be described, Let's begin with the word Gethsemane. It's, it's the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. What does the word Gethsemane mean? It's a Hebrew word that means an olive press. Okay, so there was, he prayed in a garden of Gethsemane, olive press, and that's why that entire mountain is called the Mount of Olives. Even to this day, uh, when you go to Israel and you visit Jerusalem and go to the Mount of Olives, they have olive trees right at the base of the mountain where we believe there was the Garden of Gethsemane. And there are olive trees still there. The olive tree is a very interesting tree that can live for hundreds and hundreds of years. Basically, its root system just keeps replanting. And they have some trees there that they say are very, very 
ancient and they're old and big and gnarly. Uh, so this is where the olives were. Well, then a Gethsemane is an olive press. And this is where you would take the olives into the Gethsemane, the olive press, and they would crush the outward flesh of the olives in order to extract that fresh oil. In the ancient world, of course, olive oil was used for all kinds of things, uh, for lamps and for lighting, for healing and for medicine and for fragrances and all other kinds of things. It was an extremely valuable commodity, but Gethsemane is an olive press. You break and you crush the olives and out of it comes that sweet anointing oil. It was also used for anointing. It was used in the temple of the Lord. It was used in the presence of God. Kings were anointed. Prophets were anointed. Priests were anointed. The oil becomes a symbol, really, of the Holy Spirit. It had a sweet fragrance to it. It had many qualities that are similar to the spirit of the living God. So here where olives were crushed, Jesus now goes in to pray. He begins to become very emotional. He becomes very uh, distressed. He becomes so sorrowful and emotionally burdened with passion. He literally is afraid I might die here praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, but I can't. I've, I've got to go fulfill my calling from my Father, which is going to the cross. That's what he had said from the beginning and all the way to the end, and now here he is there. But now he is here to pray and talk to his Father about the cross. And he's gonna be talking to his Father about, is this your will? What is your will, Father? I wanna make sure before I go and surrender myself that this is absolutely your will and the plan and path of salvation. So Gethsemane was a great pause before all of the events that we just talked about from Good Friday, where Jesus was crucified and then buried and on the third day resurrected from the dead. Those are the events that are coming. But now there's a dramatic divine pause on that night after the Lord's Supper, the Passover meal, this is my body broken for you, this is the cup of my blood shed for the remission of your sins, I need to go pray. Because before the night was through, he would be betrayed, as he knew, by one of his very own, as painful as that was, and on the next day to be crucified on Friday. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. Pastor Ray was influential in teaching us to make the Bible our manual for life. Nothing else was needed and nothing else mattered. He taught us to keep our eyes on Jesus, love God, our neighbors, and the Bible. We can't wait to see him again. God is good all the time. It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings have touched so many lives through the years, and your prayers are cherished by the Bentley family. If you have a message to share, you can email us, ray at raybentley.com, or post a comment on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. And I want to just take a moment and say, you know, look at an application of where we are in our world right now. 
What has happened this year and this season, it's almost like we're in a global Gethsemane. There are some people who've the crushing and the weight of what has been happening and this virus and how it has literally taken the whole world out of its normal life and routine and put it on pause with great anguish. There's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. As I've mentioned, those who have loved ones who have died, they have been emotionally crushed. There are others, and we are praying for them that are sick and they have the virus, and we're praying that God would touch them and God would heal them. But all the families of those who have loved ones who have the illness, they're also being crushed. And I know that, you know, people have made fun a little bit of having to stay home and we, we can't go to work. Oh, how, how sad. And it seems maybe uh, silly that we would complain. But now that we realize the cost of that, that there are, peop- there are whole sections of businesses that have literally been upended. The, the global economy has been caused great anguish. And there are millions of people, I don't know what the latest number is, who lost your job. Okay, now, look, mentally, emotionally, you got a family you want to provide, uh, even if you want to just provide for yourself, and you don't have a job, uh, you're not just sitting at home biding your time. You're worried. And there's an emotional aspect to this. And that's what, this is before Jesus went to the cross. This is before the nails went into his hands or they drove a spike into his feet. This was mental grief. This was emotional disturbance. This was spiritual distress. This was causing him to go and to pray and say, Father, is this really what you have called me to do? Is this truly your will? And we'll get into what the heart of his prayer was. If it's possible, let this cup pass. But I just want to say that today, in a sense, there's a global anxiety, global fear, global mental, emotional distress. People are frustrated. And then there are others that are saying, man, okay, if the numbers are flattening or they're coming down, let's get back to work. Let's get back to our lives. There's a lot of fear. And I believe that all of those emotions Jesus was experiencing. There had been, he hadn't been beaten yet. He had not been betrayed yet. He had not been arrested yet. He had not been put on the cross yet. It was all what was going on internally, but it was happening in a garden called Gethsemane, which is where there is a crushing. And all of that weight was upon him. And I want you to note that in his Gethsemane, the answer to his Gethsemane was to pray. And I believe that with this global anxiety, fear, anguish, all that the world is going through right now, you know, because people are like, can't this be over? Can't we just, you know, tomorrow let's get back. And we realize, wow, there's, we've got to find our way back. And, and we're praying that God would help us. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, open before us as it was the children of Israel after Passover, there was a big red sea in front of them that said, you can't pass this. Two and a half million people, wahoo, we're, we're delivered. We're no longer slaves. Now where are we going to go? There's a big red sea and we can't cross over. And there needed to be a miracle. And there was one of the first miracles because Moses, as the people started panicking and fearing, were trapped. 
What good is it to be delivered and then to have the Red Sea in front of us and we just are trapped and now the Pharaoh had sent his army after them. And Moses stood up as their leader and with that staff that God had shown him was great power that God was with Moses, that Moses was his leader, his prophet. And God had told Moses, you go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And I believe that God is saying today in this global Passover, on behalf of his children and his sons and daughters, he's pointing a finger at the devil and he is saying, you let my people go. And it's powerful. And then Moses had a staff and God said, I'm going to show you that my authority is in that staff. You raise that staff up and you open your mouth. You say, Moses, what I tell you to say. And Moses is the mouth that said, let my people go. It came from God, but God said to his servant, Moses, you will be my mouthpiece. Your mouth will be as the mouth of God to Pharaoh. So may the Lord bless every ministry and every minister and every pastor and prophet and priest representing the kingdom of heaven around the world. We are his mouthpiece and we are declaring to the devil, let God's people go in Jesus name. And now we raise the staff and he said, stand still and see the salvation of your God. And whoo, two and a half million people saw that that blockage of the Red Sea divide literally wide enough so that the two and a half million people could walk through the Red Sea miraculously. They saw it with their eyes, a wall of water on this side, a wall of water on that side. And Pharaoh was like, wow, we got them trapped. They're in this little valley and now they're crossing. And so he, they weren't even thinking, hey, this is a miracle. How did the Red Sea part like that? And they chase after them. Well, the children of Israel get on the other side and once the last one gets safely over there, they turn around. And once again, Moses goes back and God closes the Red Sea and all of the Egyptian army was taken up in the sea and they perished in the sea. That's going to happen again, I believe, in our day and in our generation. The Lord is setting up and trapping the enemy, but he's going to be bringing a great miracle and a great deliverance and a great harvest for us. We have to follow his word and be in transition with him. But I want you to look again at what Jesus is saying here. He came to Gethsemane, and he took with him Peter, James, and John, began to be sorrowful, deeply distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here. Watch with me. Jesus said, Peter, James, and John, I'm going to pray. I need to talk to my father, but I need you. And I want you to, when he says, I want you to watch with me, what Jesus was really asking was, I need you to stay awake with me tonight. I know you're tired. I know you're exhausted. I know that you're worried. And I know that you're afraid. And all of those emotions, fear and worry and anxiety, they have an effect upon us uh, in a physical sense. You, you get exhausted. You get wiped out. You know, it's easy for us to point and say, wow, what, the, the one night Jesus needed Peter, James, and John, why, they should have been there and they should have been awake. Well, would we have been any better? 
Would we have been any different? Are we not all sinners saved by the amazing grace of God? Is not all of our spirit willing? I wish we, if I was there that I would have been awake, but would I have been, would you have been? I don't know. But the Lord expresses his sorrow and he says, I need you guys to stay with me, stay awake, and I need you to pray. And I, I wanna just say this. One of the reasons, because I, I was asking the Lord, Lord, this is unprecedented. This is, we've never, never been in a situation like this. And it seems, you know, we still are not out of the woods yet. When is this gonna change? When are things going to come back? When is the life going to resume? When is life going to continue again? And there, there's a lot of anxiety and fear within all of that. You know, why has God delayed? Why, Lord, have you delayed this deliverance? We've gone through the Passover and now, okay, we're plateauing, but there still seems to be something there. And I believe this is what the Lord was sharing me as I was praying and studying this passage and saying, Lord, what do you want me to share? But first of all, for me to hear, what do you want me to share with those who are going to be watching and listening to this message? And I believe that the Lord just started saying to me, hey, this is a Gethsemane moment. And there are a lot of people in my house and a lot of people that are in my church that are asleep. They do not realize what time it is. They do not realize how near, just like the disciples then did not realize how soon it would be, hours away, Jesus would be on the cross, buried, the third day, risen, appearing for 40 days, and then finally ascending from the Mount of Olives. With their own eyes, they saw him disappear into the clouds, and he's gone. And he said, wait, pray in Jerusalem 10 days, and then Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit is outpoured. But it all happened so fast. And I believe that they were not really awake to it. And so I'm wondering if the Lord is saying, I need my people to wake up. I'm not going to just, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen super fast, but I'm still shaking the earth. I'm shaking everything that can be shaken so that only the things that cannot be shaken shall remain. God is waking us up. And I just talked to a, when I went in to get uh, some food here today and and um, I, I, as I went in, the, there was the young lady and she was talking, she knows that I'm a pastor and she began giving a testimony and she goes, I just believe that, uh, you know, I'm a believer, uh, I'm a Christian. She goes, but I've been asleep and I have been so shaken by this. She goes, I believe that all of us need, but this is a wake up call. It's a spiritual wake up call and I certainly agree with that. And I hope that we're all hearing the message, receiving the message, and waking up. Good word of exhortation for us today from Pastor Ray Bentley from our studies in the Gospel of Matthew here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, What Jesus' Prayer Means for You. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's Ray Bentley. 
www.pastorraysmedia.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.